Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Hello. It's good to see you. It's absolutely wonderful to be home. And uh, what I can say without a doubt is that I'm absolutely proud of this place, um, of what we've become what we are becoming, because it's not about uh, a static experience, but it's about the continued uh, journey. And uh, like Danny said in that, um, you know, the What's On video, we we're wanted to talk tonight a little about uh, who we are uh, and getting to know Q, because there's, a, there's people in here who've been with us for many, many years and have gone the journey, therefore understand. Uh, there are people who have joined us just recently, and, and everybody's at a different place. And uh, we're glad that whatever it is that we're doing, obviously, scratches where it itches for you. Uh, but sometimes we just want to make it uh, a little bit more clear as to uh, who we are and what we're doing. So um, we're going to use some videos tonight. Uh, one that we used last week, actually, but it's such a good one, we want to use it again. And also one that we used just before Christmas. Um, and so I'm, I, I don't make any apologies for repeating some of the stuff, but it's because it just is ap- absolutely appropriate, uh, you know, from, for, uh, for where we are. Now, um, what is definite about this place, what Q is, is that um, we're more about a dynamic faith than we are about a static belief. Now, what happens in most groups or institutions, you have the issue that there is a list of core beliefs that people have to adhere to in order to somehow fit our belief. I mean, some people call that a dogma. And that is one thing that we're not. If we do have a dogma, it's that we're actually of no dogma. (laughs) I don't know if that works. But we don't have any very strict belief system because we believe um, that things are much more fluid and dynamic than we were ever taught. And uh, often we can get stuck in a very small-minded, very narrow way of thinking when there is much more out there. And that's what Q is about. It's about opening up uh, the restrictions in order that you might fly as opposed to being caged. Now, I love the hospital analogy that has often been said about the church, that, you know, you're, you're a hospital that wants to make people well. And that's great. But have you ever thought about it, that when you go into hospital, you hope that you are going to be discharged. You don't look at the fact that you're going to be in hospital forever. And then some people obviously like what the hospital does, that they actually decide that their vocation, 
they want to serve in that way and they become nurses and doctors and that's how they remain institutionalized in a sense because they give themselves to looking after the needs of people. But if you were a sick person, you hope that you can go in and then you can go out. And that's really what we hope the church can be. We want the church to be where you can come and be given uh, tools and equipped to be healed in your life. And then we want to open the, the door to say, go fly. Now that's pretty detrimental to a church uh, structure because you can end up with no people. But really, we should rejoice in that because it should be saying that we're here to serve and we want people to be healed. And, and I wrote something down this afternoon that was this. It's not our, uh, our job to get you to heaven. <laughs> See, that's what church was about, somehow getting you to heaven. But we want to equip you to live life fully human. Now, that's the job, because often all of us uh, can live our lives much below that, uh, that potential, and we want people to really be free to live that. So, so tonight, we want to talk about some of that, and I'm going to make sure Anth has enough space uh, to talk about. There's many metaphors that we can use. And uh, one of the ones that I like is I read a book once um, that's called Selling Water by the River. And it really blessed me because I understood that for a long time, we've understood uh, that there was some sort of a well with water in it that we, uh, we had sort of ownership of. And if people came, we could sell them a bit of water in order to say, okay, this is great, have a bit of this. But when you get to a place where you recognise that the river is free and it's there for people to come to and there is no charge, that changes the way that we are. And of course, there's problems that come with that. And maybe over the next few weeks, uh, we can look at that. And also, there was a slide up there. I don't know whether it's still up there. God's truths are not bricks to throw at people. They are bread to feed people. And you see, that's our premise tonight, that often Christianity has become rigid beliefs that become bricks, that become walls, and that you're either this side or you're that side. But instead, we want to make sure that what we have, are it's bread that can feed the hungry. Now, Rob Bell has a wonderful thing uh, in his book called Velvet Elvis that we read many, many years ago. And he likened that Christianity had become a very rigid wall filled with bricks of beliefs when actually it should be more like a trampoline that is bouncy with springs that you enjoyed. Now, it, it can be that very rigid uh, rules don't make much fun. But when you're jumping on a trampoline, yeah, it's great fun, but it can also, you can fly off it and you can hurt yourself. But yeah, that goes with the territory. But what we understand is that Q is part of that flexible understanding that we say, do you know what? We invite you to jump. We invite you to jump on a trampoline rather than having such rigid ideas and beliefs that it keeps us very much 
stuck to the ground and that's not what we want to do. So there's going to be much said tonight and like I say there's videos that we're going to show that you have seen before but you'll see them in the context of what we're doing and uh, we've given Anth uh, space to be able to talk tonight what he wants to say but I want to make sure you get this tonight that while we do uh, hold incredibly to the gospel of Jesus, we do understand that the, his truths are not bricks to throw at people, but it's bread for the hungry. And we hope tonight that you get a good piece of bread and uh, you go away from this place fed. Is that okay? So I hope you're going to be blessed tonight and listen. And if you've got any questions, obviously throw them our way because we want to make sure that, uh, you know, this is what we're about. Q, the quest. Join us on our quest because that is not a, um, a static thing. It's very dynamic and we invite you on that journey. So there you go. Come on, let's leave the shores behind. Hi, everybody. Uh, can I just ask you specifically this week to keep um, or bring Jim Clark, Claire Cornock's uh, granddad into your prayers? He's, uh, he's not a well man and uh, needs a lot of peace and a lot of help and a lot of health. So please, uh, please remember, Jim, uh, every day if you can, just lift your heart up and, um, and remember him and, uh, and Betty, his wife, um, as you pray. Also, just uh, one other thing. One of the reasons we uh, uh, won't be having drinks afterwards tonight is because in a culture of low expectation, it tends to produce low commitment. Now, that doesn't mean Angela and these guys have given high commitment to do it. But the thing is, so we can let Angela and others have a break and be in and concentrate, focus on the meeting, it means we can't have both. But we'd like to have both, which means... We'd like some more commitment from some of you might say, I'll help, I'll, I'll serve, I can do that job so that um, our low expectation doesn't produce low commitment, but actually we commit because we love and want to serve people. So I thought I'd just raise that and thank you, Angela and the guys who, uh, who serve us so well. So uh, tonight's um, stuff was, was coined by some wisecrackers getting to know Q which is a bit of a pun, obviously. Um, and I wanted to base a lot of what I talked today on something I've talked about for many years, which is that it's impossible to change the future without disturbing the present. And uh, sometimes our present is disturbed for us. And uh, a lot of our journey as Q, back in 2003, um, my present, certainly, and our present was disturbed for us. Uh, sometimes it must be disturbed by us, and I will say that in the process, I will plead guilty to having contributed a great deal to disturbing the present uh, myself, not just for myself, but of course you become collateral damage in that disturbing, but what I want you to know, it's impossible to change the future without disturbing the present. You can't stay comfortable and also experience change. The two are incompatible. And uh, I believe that all our experiences should lead us to reevaluate our lives and our beliefs from the bottom up. Now, the reason I say from the bottom up is because if you only reevaluate from the top down, you just tinker with a few things. 
to make you feel better when actually our experiences should lead us to evaluate our lives and beliefs from the bottom up. That means you go right to base level what you believe about yourself, about God, about the world, about the Bible, about everything. And if you will do that, I believe it brings us to a great place of health and that's what we're trying to do at Q. Now, two years ago, I think it's almost to the day actually, to be honest, almost. Two years ago, we changed our name to Q. In, in reality, the transition had begun many years before Q was, and Q was the recognition of and response to, not a marketing strategy, that's not why we did it, but a response to an expression of the culmination of a whole load of deep-seated challenges that questioned our commitment to our long-held beliefs, or probably more accurately, our interpretation of those beliefs. So the content of tonight is designed to draw attention to the challenges and convictions that have driven our journey so far. We, we had a little, I don't, yeah, it's up, up there, ships in the harbour are safe, but that's not what ships were made for. And yet I fear that very often, particularly when one comes to faith of one kind or another, that then the danger is we become ships in the harbour and we want our church to be the harbour into which we come. But actually that's not what ships were made for. It's not what you were made for. And our job is not to keep you in the harbour. There are some scriptures that have been important to me and I'm not going to preach heavy on them. We do more of that on a Wednesday night. But these three things, these three Bible verses have been really important to me. The first one is, is in, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 and 17, which says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Now, the reason I wanted to mention this to you is that many people, when they read those words, think that what Paul is talking about when he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, is that I'm not ashamed to tell people about Jesus or my faith in Jesus. I used to think that's what it was all about. I'm not ashamed to share the gospel. I'm not ashamed to say that I'm a follower of Jesus. But that's not what Paul is referring to here. He's saying what he's not ashamed of is the gospel of righteousness. What he's not ashamed of is to say that nothing that you have done merits you for what it is that has been done for you and that it is a gift of righteousness that means that we are pressure free in the content context and we are not ashamed of that gospel. We will not use any other gospel but that gospel. There's another one in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2 that says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, which we do, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defence, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. Listen to this. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. I believe that. I believe the cross worked for everybody. Let me give you one more. Romans chapter 5, verse 19. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, that's talking about Adam, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, that's Christ, the many, and, and, and in naughtiness, the translators put two words in there, the many will be made righteous. 
That should not be in there. What it should be is that through the obedience of the one man, many made righteous. That's at the core of our belief about the work of Christ and the work of the cross. Now, I also want to say about ships that ships are not made to do pleasure trips around the harbour with the odd venture out into the bay. It's not Bridlington or Scarborough. They're made for the open seas and they are for adventurers and pioneers and discoverers and questioners and wanderers and wanderers. Now, Pete Condy also introduced us to a word that I think is important for us this last year, and that word is codiwample. And the word codiwample means to travel in a purposeful manner towards a vague destination. So what we have done for you and to you in queue is that we have codiwampled you. We've asked you to travel in a purposeful manner towards a vague destination. And we will continue to do that and hopefully open up that process as we go along. So I don't want this to be like the merry-go-round at the fair, where there's lots of music and movement, but in the end you haven't gone anywhere. In my opinion, too many people want church to be that. Like a merry-go-round. Lots of music, lots of movement, but at the end of the day, have gone absolutely nowhere. And I don't want this to be like that. So we showed the clip of Moana. (coughs) And um, what Moana was driving at was that island life and what it refuses to address has become stale to Moana. That's my view after so many years in church life, that so much had become stale because it's become like island life. And so I love this in Moana. In the song that Moana sung, let me give you these words before I finish this first section. If I go there, remember the father said, don't go beyond the reef. Stay in the safety of the doctrine, the walls, the beliefs. Stay in the harbour. Don't shift. Because she said, if I go there, there's no telling how far I'll go. Listen to this. I know everybody on this island seems so happy on this island. Everything is by design. I know everybody on this island has a role on this island. So maybe I can roll with mine. See, it's the desire to be compliant. I can lead with pride, and I say this to you guys, I can lead with pride, I can make us strong, I'll be satisfied if I play along, but the voice inside sings a different song. I want you to know, I could be satisfied with something much less than this. It would be so much easier, but the voice inside sings a different song. And she said, what is wrong with me? And I want you to know, I've asked that question a thousand times in our journey as Q, in our journey since 2003 and 2007. What is wrong with me? Because there's a voice inside that began to sing a different song through all our adversity and challenge that says, I will not do this and be this anymore, but there are going to be questions and there is going to be a quest. I understand as well that fear affects all of us to some degree, me included. But we have to challenge that and say, what will happen if we go beyond the reef? So that, uh, again, was from the film uh, 
come Sunday, which I'll mention in a moment. The one before was from Field of Dreams. And uh, we've chosen some of these films because they have an expression in what you might call parable format for how Jesus might have told the story of our journey. And uh, in Field of Dreams that we saw there with Kevin Costner, of course, as that powerful voice keeps coming, if you build it, he will come. Not he will come and then build it. And you see, the walk of faith is never that way around. The walk of faith is always, if you build it, he will come. That's what makes us uncomfortable. And it can make us uncomfortable when we, when we begin to approach our expression of the gospel, of, of the Bible, of God, of Christ in a different way because we get uncomfortable because we don't wonder if you build it, he will come. We want uh, if he comes, then you build it because we find that as our security. But part of what we're doing is living by that same parable that we believe we're building something into which the Spirit of God comes so that we can touch a very different kind of person. I love that clip from it. He says, hey, honey, that's his wife. Hey, honey. What was that? What was her reply? That voice right now, I didn't hear anything, was her reply. And very often that's the problem when you hear something and others don't hear it, which I'm not expecting necessarily that you should have heard the same things. It can cause us that same disquiet and it can also cause a problem if you're the one who heard the voice because you have to ask the question, am I hearing things as in I'm actually losing my mental faculties or am I hearing things because some bigger force, something greater is actually speaking to me. The point is that the voice was leading him somewhere into something but the full implications, impact and benefit of that could not be seen at that time and that's always the journey that we're on when we make changes in these things and it required a willingness to be led, to trust, to have faith and also to be family in the process, to be linked as family in the journey that we're going and of course what what um, what Raking Seller had to do there, he had to plough over a perfectly good cornfield that, that, that was going to supply need and that was okay. And it's like, why would you want to mess with a perfectly good cornfield? I think, I think we had a perfectly good cornfield. I think in the rock at our prime, before we started messing with all this stuff of hearing voices and we need to change, we had a perfectly good cornfield. So why would you plough that, why would you cut that down to make what to some of you might seem as foolish, a baseball diamond of all things? Why would you cut it down for what you're doing? See, sometimes what has been grown in the field, even though it has been a means of finance and favour, must be ploughed under to create something more necessary to the moment. And all because you've heard the voice. But I also want you to know there is a cost involved. Doing what we've done has not been without its cost. It's come with actually great cost. And, and that either proves that we, are, we have a conviction about what we're doing or we're crazy in doing what we're doing. One of the other. We're either crazy or it's a conviction. And as, as Malcolm Muggridge, the old broadcaster, used to say, either Jesus is the Son of God or is the biggest liar, cheat and deceiver and confidence trickster that ever walked the face of the earth. You have to choose between one of the other. 
And this, this journey has, has, has cost us. There's, there's cost involved. Many, many of you will not see it or experience it in the way that others of us have and, and do experience it. But it's cost me friends. It's cost us friends. It's cost us connections. It's cost us affirmation. It's brought judgment and criticism and condemnation. And that's not always been easy to stand by. And that's why sometimes you need friends, you need family to stand with you. Because some of that stuff that you've never seen and that we've shielded you from has been pretty hurtful and pretty awful. But we have a conviction. We're plowing the corn to build the baseball diamond. It's cost us in finances. Now, just let me say on that point that um, just over a year ago, we dropped you a letter just to explain how we do things in. Well, I have to say that I, I have been absolutely blown away by the response that we had. I mean, I mean, shocked. Mick, Mick Fox, who looks after our finance, Mick will tell you that the, the response has been just amazing. However, we're in another year and we need the same miracle and we need the same friendship and fellowship together as we do what it is that we're called to do. And I know, I know that you will be faithful to that again. It's also on that front there have been a cost as well because um, um, uh, Amy no longer works for us. Beth no longer works for us. Dave Craven no longer works for us. Joel no longer works for us. Chris no longer works for us. It's the me and Danny show. <laughs> Now, that doesn't mean that these guys are not doing everything that they were doing before. They're doing everything they were doing, but just not getting any remuneration for it. But this cost us in that, and, and that has saddened me at times. But it has also been necessary and responsible for us to do that and say, we put our lives into this and we are rebuilding for where we are going, not for where we've been. And huge thanks to those guys who have served us in that full-time capacity and are still serving us and still being a blessing to this house. There has been a cost. See, not one of the voices was telling him to keep things as they are. And I question anybody who would say God spoke to me if the voice says keep things as they are. I don't know any reference in Scripture or any issue of any man or woman of God that has ever been where God says, oh, by the way, keep things as they are. Not one of the voices does that. Each one of the voices proposed an action for a future fulfilment. Now, some of us said this before, and I'm saying it again. Some of you think I'm the idiot who ploughed a perfectly good field of corn to build a baseball field. And you're right. But I'm also thankful for all those who said, if you really think you should do this, you should do it. Thank you. In the words of Ray Kinsella, I've just created something totally illogical. And I think that we have. So we come on to the, the other film that was uh, Come Sunday. For those of you who know the characters involved here, some of you will, some of you won't. Some of you will remember a tele-evangelist who's now dead by the name of Oral Roberts. And the older guy sat talking to the, to the other guy was Oral Roberts in the film. This is from a real story come Sunday that's also about a guy called Carlton Pearson who, like us, got a revelation of the grace of God and had to fight his way through because it cost him. And this, this is where we picked up this movie. If you've not seen the movie, please watch it. Come Sunday on Netflix. And uh, the words of, of that he thought was wise of the Oral Roberts character, we can fix this. And believe me, I've been told that. 
oh, we can fix this. What are you doing? We can fix this. That presumes that there's something that needs to be fixed, which I don't think there is. And whenever you stray from the fundamentality of any group's dogma, they will use terms like heretic, lost your way, been deceived, followed by disassociation, criticism and condemnation. And that's where I sit, that's where Chris sits, that's where we sit, is the church, believe it or not. They'll say we can fix this and we say there's nothing to fix. Because we heard the voice say, build it and he will come and we're ploughing the cornfield down to build the baseball pitch. All I can say about that is, 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 all I can say about the whole thing of all that come Sunday fix this, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, but can't go back on the truth revealed. Yeah, some, sometimes um, the waking up to the realisation of the futility of some of our actions can be quite shocking. And uh, I'm a bit like the gong ringer, you know. I, the helmet's broken that I used to ring the gong with. And this is just a great, great parable in Smallfoot because, you know, his dad's supposed to ring the gong. But when you see in the film, they thought that ringing the gong made the sun come up. And so, of course, what you do out of fear, you feel we must ring the gong. And then the sun does come up, so you think that it was you ringing the gong that brought the sun up. Until the gong doesn't get rung and you find the sun still comes up. So much of what we have introduced into the process of Christianity is like the gong ringer. That we think it's by doing that that the gong comes up, that the sun rises with healing in his wings. Until we actually get a realisation, if we get broken away from that, that God is still God and Jesus is still Jesus and Christ is still Christ and the gospel is still the gospel. And there is a wonderful work that's going on that is not dependent upon our religious activity to make that a reality. He missed the gong and yet the sun still came up. And lo and behold, he discovered it was not a sky snail. They thought the sky snails snuck across the sky every day. Listen, one of the reasons we've gone the way we've gone is that it's not that blunt, but some people's image of God and how God works are no better than the idea of small foot that the sun was a sky snail that went across the, went across the sky every day and that was dependent upon you ringing the gong. We have set ourselves to deconstruct these ideas and to repurpose ourselves with the reality beyond that. I love what he says as well, because we struggle with this, because the problem was that what the stones said. And Smallfoot kept realising that the stones were not always true, or at least the interpretation of the stones, but, but also some of the stones were created to keep the people controlled. And I have to say that some of Christianity's expression of scripture and this happens in Islam and everywhere else have been interpreted and designed to keep people under control we are breaking that control to the freedom we're supposed to have in Christ they said the stones are sturdy reliable and true but you see the problem is they were relying on the stones rather than relying on the revelation of something greater that was behind the stones maybe there's something better than banging your head against the gong some of you are still living that Christianity. 
But if I don't ring the gong, his dad said, if I don't ring the gong, then I'm not the gong ringer. And if I'm not the gong ringer, then who am I? It's also the struggle that we come into this relationship with the divine and then find an identity in the doing that makes us like the gong ringer. And then we have no identity in who we are as a human being. It's all bound up in ritual and form and, and ceremony and our identity. We, we came to set you free from that, to realize the sun is going to come up whether you ring the gong or not. Now, if you want to ring the gong, ring the gong. We don't mind. <coughs> but don't make the gong ringing what it isn't. These clips you see that we're showing, some of you think, well, why don't we have Bible readings and Bible chapters and... Well, because these clips that we're showing are modern parables in film. And I don't know if you're aware of it, but Jesus actually didn't preach from the Bible. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't preach from the Bible or that the Bible is not important for us to preach from. But if you want to argue that, we can argue that. Jesus didn't preach from the Bible. Jesus said there was this farmer here. And there was this guy on the road to so-and-so there. And what he did was he took those parables and into it injected the life of, of God. That's not anti-Bible, that's just saying, thank God for all those references that are there, but these clips that we are showing are modern parables in film which describe much of our process without declaring our doctrine. They're telling you the process. But I want to take you one step further before we close tonight. <coughs> and that is not to give you a set of beliefs, but to give you a set of suggestions about where this process brings us to and what I personally specifically desire from it. My greatest desire is that this is a safe space where people can talk about doubt. Oh, you might say, that's weird. A church is here to tell you what you're supposed to believe. No, it isn't. Church shouldn't be here to tell you what to think. It should be here to teach you how to think and to think with a free mind that understands the character and nature of God <coughs> and allows us to interpret that in wonderful ways that, <coughs> in biblical terms, reveal his glory in the earth. I want a safe space where people can talk about doubt because that was the source of much of our journey into this new revelation. I want it where dogma is left at the door where we no longer live by the punishment and reward model, where we see all people as insiders, not outsiders, where we see mercy and grace trumps judgment and condemnation every time, where we see inerrant, which means incapable of being wrong, and infallible, which means the inability to be wrong, as unhelpful words when describing the Bible where we refuse to manipulate through fear, conscious or subconscious, or attract and retain through induced highs that medicate but don't mend the inner turmoil. Where we believe God is love, not has love, God is love itself, thereby governing how we perceive the character and nature of that being where we believe in a restorative justice, not a retributive justice, which means there are big questions about conventional views on heaven and hell. Where we see freedom as the ultimate expression of the work of Christ. 
and where we see a revelation of the Christ beyond Jesus. Listen to my teachings on Wednesday night if you want to know about that. We see a revelation of the Christ beyond Jesus as the ultimate revelation of an awakened heart. That's some suggestions about where we go. So let me summarize it in this that's on our website. Q is a culture. Not the call to live within yet another religious structure. Q is a community with meaning more than tea and cakes. Please. Yes. Q is diversity beyond our comfort zone. Q is unconventional by design in every area that we sense a challenge. Q is a way of life, not just a set of beliefs. Q is home to many varied expressions of the journey of life and faith. And so in the words of the slide that was up there, our curiosity must take precedence over our popularity. Otherwise, it will never take us further than others have already been. Q was birthed in that spirit and will continue to be driven by that purpose and our hope is that you will not only commit yourself to this cause, but will bring others along too. So Jesus, help us to be this expression of your word to impact the world into which we have come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash qchurchyork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.